Metal Moment Podcast, episode 66, Posted Chunky. This one's docking. A brand spanking new one, Broken Bones. It's title right here is Burning Tears. It's not George Lynch, but it's John Levin on the guitar. Before I forget, today is November 3rd. Happy birthday, Grandma Obasa. Tanjobi omedeto, tikoto de sabisani. Joe, da, mimashou. See you. 
Michel Mucho Musca, a twofer. This one is titled Line. Maybe, you know, 
Maybe you guys can do uh, like show reviews or something. But you guys, you guys are a cool team, man. Uh, he's a great guy, man. You're a great guy too, and you guys both put on great shows. So I just want to throw it out there and let you know that uh, people out here thinking about you and appreciate all the hard work you're doing and everything. So take care of my brother. I just want to tell you I was thinking about you. And horns up, fist near. Alright, so who got this message came today from my baby boy Dom who left me yesterday dialing 70778 metal let your voice be heard said he loves me he'll come back as long as I'm with Michael Butler he wants to try oh enough of this joke come by Chinchin Chayo real quick swig rider alright so what he is referring to is uh, back to docking on my website, www.metalmoment.com, um, not only can you get my podcast, obviously it's available on iTunes, but uh, you get the show notes. So, the um, the show that I, or Dom was talking about from Maximum Threshold Radio was the bootleg I did, uh, bonus, Don, or bonus slash docking live. Uh, let me just read this. Um, let's go docking live at the Rodeo Club in San Jose, California, IA, September 9th, 2012. Michael Butler's band, The Butlers. By the way, so if you guys don't know who Michael Butler is, he has the longest running music podcast show in the world. And uh, I greatly respect him. And it's called The Rock and Roll Geek Show, so check it out. And uh, he also has a band, The Butlers. Uh, they opened up for docking. And uh, he was kind enough to invite me to the show as his personal assistant. So the deal was, I carry his bass, I wipe his sweat, I deliver his beer, and he'll get me into the show. Okay. So uh, moving forward, there is a reason why this became a bonus episode and not a Metal Moment podcast. It's because the audio sucks. What I did was I attempted to capture John Levin's guitar tracks straight from his Marshall Cab. So it was my first docking show without George Lynch. So John Levin, I wanted to like really get, you know, into his like amp, into his face and kind of, you know, check out what, you know, check out his tone and everything. So the recording was not intended to properly capture the entire mix, right? So... Hope you guitar heads enjoy this recording. Um, and basically, this bootleg was for all you guitar heads out there. It, the mix sucks. You do not hear pretty much any of the vocals, but you will hear some of the drums and basically the guitar tone. Um, let me see. I've never... Okay, so... And uh, the highlight of this show, to be honest, okay, is that... Don Dawkin, man. Out of all the Dawkin shows that I've gone to with George Lynch and Don Dawkin, they looked so, like, out of place, like, pissed off. Don Dawkin looked kind of miserable. For instance, like, Alone Again is Don Dawkin's baby, right? And when the guitar is supposed to kick in, George Lynch would not be there, or he would kick into Mr. Scary. And, uh, so this show, again, my first experience uh, 
watching Dawkins without George Lynch. John Levin on guitar. Man, Don was having fun again. Not a arena, just a club, but it didn't really matter because Don was playing his music with the band, with the musicians that he really likes or enjoys working with right now. So on on this particular night, so you have John Levin, he's been with, I mean, he's docking now because he's been playing for like, what, 10 years with, uh, you know, with docking. You have uh, Jason McNabb on bass and uh, on drums, it was Jimmy DeGrasso. Um, everybody wants him, right? David Lee Roth, Lita Ford, Ozzy Osbourne, White Line, Suicidal Tendencies, Wine T, Megadeth, the list goes on and on and on, but he's like the dude that people, you know, goes, they're like, I'm in California, I need a drummer, Jimmy, I need you to play, so he's the guy, so, um, so again, man, so if you guys want to check out metalmoment.com, it's not just a site that has the uh, podcast, but it has like internal notes and stuff, so if you guys want to read up on uh, the tunes or whatever, I think it's all good in the hood, and let me take a real quick sip before my voice goes like Don. <clears throat> so a little sidetracked right there with the message, but uh, this album right here, okay, back to the album, Broken Bones. Don is saying that this is the last Dawkins album, and you know what? I'm freaking happy about it, because this album... I listened to it probably like five times. I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling it, man. I'm not feeling it. For all you listeners out there that did what I did, I listened to the sample before I purchased the album, right? So you get like 30 seconds of every tune back to back. Huge mistake, okay? Because it's just going to sound like all the tunes kind of sound the same and they're kind of like dark. But get the album, listen to the entire album, okay? After, I guarantee, <laughs> after, and it took me this long too, like 15 listens, okay? I'm like, some people may say if you have to listen to an album that long, it probably sucks. But you know, this one is different because after 15 listens, I'm like, my God. Every song, every tune is like, for me, I have a favorite song or tune every day and it's different. Um, I think on one of the interviews, like Don was saying, like it took 11 months to record this sucker because we treated, we didn't want to do what all these artists do nowadays. They have one tune that kind of, you know, rings in your brain in a nice way. And then the rest are just fillers. There is no filler on this album, Broken Bones. Every tune, man, it's like, it has its, like, beauty. And I, I mean, it's been a while since I've come across an album like this. Um, I think Rat's Infestation was pretty good, right? Um, you know, George Lynch, he has his whole Lynch mob. Um, and he has his TNN album out right now. And... It's good, but like this Dawkins album, Broken Bones, it's it's an adult taste. Like, what do I mean by adult? So, 
I'm going to turn 40 tomorrow. Okay. And, uh, I've, I've grown up listening to metal. Um, and I think now this album, I listen to this and it's not like the whole, like, it's not like, uh, kiss of death. Um, it's not like breaking the chains. Uh, it's not like sleepless nights, but when you listen to this in this album in its entirety, it's like, it's a whole story. Um, it's very adult oriented. So I am a, I am no longer a kid. I am still a metalhead, but as an adult, I really appreciate this man. I really appreciate the way um, the songs are put together and the whole flow of the album. So I think this is for a mature audience. Um, I think a lot of the younger kids that want to get into metal, want to get into these um, bands that, uh, you know, in the 80s or the uh, early 90s, they had their peak. Um, I think they will have a hard time getting into. But us mature crowds that went through all that, that lived through all that, can listen to this and album and go, I understand this 100% because... Like the music matured and we've matured. And I think you guys, if you're my age, born in the seventies, early seventies, pounds 72, um, you will understand this music and it's a fantastic, beautiful thing. So that's all I have to say about this album. What I want to say is, uh, it's, easily the best album of the year. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if this came out last year it would have been the best album of last year for me. So listen to it. Listen, really listen to it, get into it. And, uh, for sure your satisfaction guarantee. So cheers, Kampai. And uh, I think the remainder of this, uh, metal moment podcast, we are going to listen to doc and, uh, maybe a little George Lynch, but, uh, maybe focusing on the non-George Lynch era docking. Um, you have John Norm, right? So John Levin, before that, it was like John Norm. We had uh, Red Beach um, from Winger. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm just uh, feeling really good with this uh, drink right here, so. It's been a while since uh, Metal Mind Podcast has been back, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll explain why in a future episode, but I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this too, man, because it uh, rocks. All right, so let me take a real quick sip right here. ちょっとすごい日本語少なくて最近ちょっとポッドキャストしてないんだよ。ジャパニーズメタルヘッドショーの方でちょっとその so since we're on the non-George Lynch thing, um, this is what happens when you don't uh, podcast for a while. You kind of like lose the whole like flow of things. So, um, all right, so talking, so Breaking the Chains, 1981, Tooth and Nail, 1984, Underlock and Key, 1985. 
Back for the Attack, 1987, Dysfunctional, 1995, Shadow Life, 1997, and then in 1999, you have Erase the with uh, Red Beach, the guitarist from Winger, who's in Dawkins. So, actually, this is one of my favorite albums, and uh, this is my favorite tune right here. So, again, today, we are going to play, I, I did say we'll play some George Lynch, but we'll do that. There's tons of George Lynch things out there because I love the man, and uh, today, let's play some Dawkins without George. Um, you guys or gals may have missed this tune, but it's a beautiful tune. This one is titled, what is it titled? I apologize. Let me take a real quick sip right here. Chains of World, 1999, Dokken, featuring Red Beach. Erase the Slate is the album and the title. Let me do this again, man. But screw this. This is a podcast. Change the world. Here we go. I hope you enjoy because this is freaking killers. Let's go. Yeah. 
So that was Red Beach, you all. ってことで、超ボンジョビっぽくないっていうか、多分ドッキンの曲で一番ボンジョビぶってんのはこの曲じゃないかなって感じで。Right, so, Red Beach.、Um, what else can I say? Like, Red Beach,、uh, Penzer Sir Guitars. That's what he was using back in the、uh, Winger days. He,、um, I think the first time everybody saw him,、uh, the video was 17.、Um, Like he was using a Kramer, right? But he was just holding that. He wasn't using that to record. And then all the other Ibanez days in the studio, he was using a Penzerser, was kind of like a slash ESP New York kind of like、um, company. And then after that, like Penzer and then Sir, they were together, but and then they went their own ways. And Red Beach right now uses a Sir guitar, which is like kind of like. His model is like the whole Hawaiian koa body, right? Like back in the days, that's what he had. And now, till this day, he has a solid、um, Hawaiian koa body with、um, Paul.、Uh, with, uh, I don't want to misinform everybody, but by the way, whatever you read on the internet, do not believe because people are just talking their mind and it may not be accurate, okay? I think they call it the Ferrero, Paul Ferrero、uh, neck. That's what he has. He has the EMGs. And、uh, the only thing is, when you listen to that tone, like, not unlike George Lynch's, where he's all wicked sensation, yo, with the、um, passive pickups and all that. So the, different, the biggest difference in tone is like re- the, the reason why a lot of studio musicians use EMG pickups is because it's consistent. You just put the 9 volt battery as long as it's a full battery, you know. Wherever you go, there's no noise, there's no hum, and you get that tone. But, however, in this case, like a band like Doc and Man, you want this organic feel, right? So that's what's lacking with Red Beach, not as a guitarist, but his tone. He's using the EMGs and probably a, what, a 89, 85, or 81. And、uh, you have that studio tone, like Steve Lukather tone, where it's kind of like too precise. There's no wickedness. So that's, I think. In my opinion,、um, is the downfall. Like Red Beach, great guitarist, but for Dawkins,、um, regardless of the player, you,、uh, they have to play a guitar with a passive pickup and not an active pickup because it's, it's just like, I don't know, it doesn't have this natural feel that Dawkins should have. It has more of this like a precise precision, like the EMG tone, okay? 
a lot of the thrash metal, like uh, Metallica, right? They use the 81 and then they use the 89, right? So that's like if you want the chugga, 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 jun, 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 you get that tone. Uh, Zach Wild, man, he's like one of the first guitarists to use an EMG in a Gibson Les Paul. And when he came out, a lot of Gibson, uh, Gibson Les Paul players are like, what the hell is he doing with the goddamn EMG? But he made it his tone, right? Steve Lukather, a uh, studio musician, he played uh, the rhythm track to Billie Jean. Um, Eddie Van Halen played the solo, but like that, if you want that, you know, consistent, clean tone, you go with EMG, big ups. Um, so... Again, EMG active, you need a battery, 9-volt battery. And the others like, you know, the Seymour Duncans or the DiMarzios or the Bill Lawrence, um, you know, they're the uh, they're the non-active pickups where it's more warm. You get the warm, you know, the warm tone. You will never see, rest in peace, Gary Moore with him playing. Like, you will not see him with a Les Paul with an EMG, right? You will not hear John Sykes playing his Black Beauty with an EMG because he has those uh, Gibson Dirty Fingers in his, you know, in his guitar. Um, so I guess all I'm trying to say is for a band like Dokken, yeah, no EMGs, please. It's like, yeah, I mean, it, regardless of who you are as a guitar player, no EMGs because for Dokken, you... <laughs> It just doesn't go with the flow. Yo, let me just take a real quick sip and uh, we'll move on from my ramble. All right, so next up on this list that I have, um, I'm reading off notes right here. So we did uh, Shadow Life 1997, Erase the State. We just played 1999 with Red Beach. And after that, it was uh, Long Way Home 2002 with John Norham. Okay. After that, it's on John uh, John Lavin, right? Hell to Play, Lightning Strikes Again, and Broken Bones. So the last album before John Lavin is 2002 Long Way Home, which I have. But uh, to be honest, man, I have no tunes to choose from because I never got into it. So for me, John Norm is Final Countdown, baby. It's like... <laughs> Europe Cherokee Ninja Survive. Um, so he's a guy. He's the final uh, countdown guy. Okay, um, but John Norm, I mean, fantastic guitar player. He has multiple um, solo albums, and uh, yeah, he was in Dokken for a little bit in two thousand, early two thousand. And uh, since I don't recognize any of the tunes from Long Way Home, or like I don't know, I don't. Nothing comes to my mind. I think for John Arm with Don Dock and Don Dock and right after uh, just walk away. <laughs> that video was fantastic, right? Because at the end of the video, you see Don Dock and like closing the gate and just walking out kind of like I'm leaving the band, boys. And then his first album was uh, titled um, Up From Ashes, 1990. And on that album, John Norm played the guitar with... Uh, I have a hard time uh, remembering the name of the other guitars, but it was uh, John White, I think. I'm sorry if I got it wrong. But uh, basically, John was on uh, Don Dawkins' first uh, solo album, Up From Ashes, back in 1990. 
And uh, the title is cheesy, but like, when is the last time you listened to Mirror Mirror? And I know all you guys and dudettes, man. You guys know what I'm talking about, but uh, cheesy lyrics. The video was kind of like, man, this one sucks. But the tune right now, we're going to listen to it. And uh, it's going to bring back good memories. So here we go again. John Norm playing guitar with Mr. White, the other guitarist, I think. If I have it wrong, don't must Sorry. But uh, this is Don Dawkin, his solo album, Up From Ashes, from 1990. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the best guitar player on the wall? Okay. <laughs> Here we go.
Alright, so that was Don Zakin. And the album was uh, Up From Ashes, and the tune was Mirror, Mirror. And while we're listening to that, I just uh, Googled the other guitarist's name, and it wasn't John White, it was Billy White. So I am sorry, I apologize for, uh, I will correct myself. And again, kids, do not listen or do not believe everything that's on the internet. Better check everything out yourself. Oh, okay, so... A little guitar talk. All right, so for John Norm and uh, Billy White, when they were in Japan with uh, Don Dock and um, this company called Kids Guitar in Japan um, hooked them up, right, with these guitars. And, uh, I mean, come on, Kids Guitar, what did what, what a shitty name. But actually, the luthier, his name was Kido Hiroshi-san. All right, so I think people are unable to locate where he is nowadays, but back then he had a little shop and uh, he is best known for his work with Lenny Kravitz. So in Japan, like he made, um, I think uh, like the first guitar that he presented was Brian May. So he made basically Brian May's guitar, but like he basically constructed his way and presented it to him. And then I think the second artist that he did that was uh, um, was Lenny Kravitz. So Lenny Kravitz, he, he was like, okay, Lenny Kravitz loves Flying Beast. So what he did was he he made a um, re, like his version or basically a copy of a '58 Flying V Karina uh, neck Karina body and uh, painted it like sparkling gold um, with a tremolo. And Lenny Kravitz just loved the sucker. And, uh, so, uh, Mr. Uh, Kido-san, what he did was, uh, as artists came to Japan to play, he would like present them with the guitars and, uh, he made one for John Norm and, uh, Billy White. And I think John Norm, like, um, he loved the body, but like he didn't really, uh, the neck was a little bit like big, too big for his tasting. So later on he changed the neck, but I'm pretty sure that he still has a kid, a kid's guitar, um, again, a pretty pathetic name, but, uh, hey, quality stuff, and I know, I mean, I would love to get one of the old kid's guitars because they're no longer made, and nobody even knows what Mr. Uh, Kido Hiroshi's son is doing now, like, even his apprentice, right, like, he opened up a store, and uh, he has a line called Freedom Guitars in Tokyo, Japan now, but I was talking to him probably, like, five years ago, and he's like, I don't know what he's doing now. He's just kind of disappeared. I don't think he enjoys making guitars anymore. Um, but, um, so, um, long story short. So what happened was, uh, Lenny Kravitz, he uses Gibson guitars, right? Obviously. But when you had Gibson make him his flying V, he basically took his, uh, kid's guitar and he goes, I love this sucker. I want you to make me, you know, this guitar right here. So it was like a template for Gibson to, you know, kind of measure and look at and, uh, you know, feel the balance um, to make Lenny Gravitz his guitars. So another luthier from uh, Japan that's uh, very <laughs> underrated. Um, so my dogs are going crazy. And I think it's time for me to go and uh, shut the suckers up, take them for a walk. So 
Thank you very much for tuning into the Metal Mon Podcast. This is host Chiaki, and we'll do it again. You know, the m e Japanese Metal Red on the show that Nihongo Heavy Nikimashio. Thank you for tuning in and、uh, come back. Cheers.